This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Hey, Dad. Walk in. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Thought we could start off good. <laughs> well, in the usual way. I am literally two weeks away from being 40, and you still call me the same nickname you've called me my whole life. <laughs> this comes out. Yep. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about, I was prepping for this podcast and I mean, I literally, I do two podcasts a week, which is what there's 50 something weeks in a 52 weeks in a year. How many weeks are in a year? 54, I think. 54. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, I mean, give or take a few, cause we do holidays and stuff, but I do about a hundred podcasts a year. And every now and again, when I sit down to prep a podcast, I can't fully like fully put together my thoughts, like what kind of questions I want to ask or things like that. And I've really started to kind of lean into that when it happens, because it just turns out usually I'm supposed to get out of the way and just have a conversation. And so I sort of felt like that's maybe what we should do today. So I don't have a ton of like outlined questions. And you actually asked me, you were like, well, what do I need to prepare? And I was like, I don't think this is something that we prepare. It's sort of like, you just tell your story and I ask questions as it comes. But the reason I even thought about this podcast was because obviously like I talk a lot about my healing journey. And so the listeners are very familiar with that and like my story. And you've given me permission to talk about the fact that I grew up in an alcoholic home. And um, so I do. And I think that that's, you know, it's an important part of my story. It's kind of shaped some of the things that I've worked through as an adult but it's weird to talk about too, because it's, it's a very different life. Like, I feel like I've had the experience of having two different dads in some capacities, you know? And so I sort of wanted to just give the listeners the idea of how it is now. And, um, 
you know, that's a big part of the way people tell their stories is what it was like, what yeah. happened and how it is now. So maybe if you would sort of guide us through that part of your story and then we'll see what comes up. Now, what, where would you, would you like to, cause my story is basically two parts yeah, know, or three, like you just described. It is basically pre pre recovery from alcoholism Okay. Where I was an alcoholic looking back on it, but I didn't know I was, you know, at that time. <laughs> um, and then right. at 33, I got into recovery. So that's what happened. You okay. know, that's the middle part. And then and then the last um a little over 31 years have been a totally different life, you know. Yeah. Um, so what would you like for me to start at the beginning? I didn't I didn't understand exactly. Yeah, where. I think so. I mean, because I think a lot of it, you know, I was really young and you right. got sober when I was eight. And so, yeah. like, I remember it-ish, right. but right. I think there's a lot that I probably don't know. And so, like, right. what was it like? You said you didn't even realize you were an alcoholic. Oh, no, I didn't realize I was an alcoholic at all. And that's not that unusual. I mean, I was the yeah. last to know. I was the last to know. You know, I mean, I, I was so when I did finally agree to get help, I was like thinking everybody would be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought I'd get turned down, Kelly. I actually thought I was thinking, oh, certainly these people, you know, I'm I'm so important. They'll turn me away, you know. Right. They didn't. You know, that's that was my my view. So keep in mind when I give you this is my view, you know. Okay. And like if your mom was actually sitting next to me, she's listened to me tell my story before. And it's not real surprising that she sees it a little bit different. <laughs> in some cases a lot different you know but um yeah I've, I've tried to listen to her side and i'm i'm really interested in hearing your side you know okay. because um we've talked about some of it you know um and uh but i think this would be a good chance for you because i had put okay so i'll give you some background you know this is not the first time i ever told my story you know like you said tell your story yeah okay so and i usually try to start with my history and, you know, that's like a little about an hour long deal. But, you know, I had put, you know, uh, at the beginning, I kind of had a little outline that I normally do just to kind of remember, because, I, again, I've been in recovery for 31 years. So, you know, I'm older, you know, and right. I don't remember some of the details at times or there's some important parts that I leave out. And um, so I, I do it just to remind myself and whatever ends up coming out is, is yeah. the story of the day. But I had put on here at the top, you know, let Kelly explain what it was like, you okay. know, like because let, let, I've never heard you say it. I've heard I've seen I heard your mom's story, yeah. you know, and, and I had to admit it's true and it's never fun, you know, mm -hmm. but for me, but it's true. And it's something that's important for me to never forget, you know, what it was like for those around me, because because another thing that is, is just popped in my mind that that is so was so true to me when I finally did get in recovery and looking back. Everything that I, I know about my pre-recovery life, I couldn't see it until I was looking back. I was in mm -hmm. recovery looking back. I could never see it when I was drinking. You know, I just couldn't yeah. see it. And so um, I what what I really didn't see was that I did definitely affect other people's life. You know, I thought I was just affecting my life. You right. know, and, and I was a great dad in my view, you know, because I gave y'all stuff, you know, like, and that's that's really not what you needed, but that's what I knew at the time. And, you know, so in my, all I'm saying is I had a different perception and, and in recovery, you know, part of the big deal is learning what's real, you know, learning the real me, you know, like, okay. Cause, cause it's full, I was in full flight from reality. You know, what I really thought about myself was just not true. 
you know, yeah. it didn't mean that I'm just just a serial killer or a horrible person. It just meant that I really, I really didn't understand, you know, what was really going on and how other people were affected, and especially you and your mom, mm-hmm. you know. And then Zachary, you know, he was uh, your brother, a lot younger. Born, you know, he was like in his first two years, you know. Um, so he was affected then, it, you know, on the the disease side, you know, that the the untreated disease side. It doesn't mean that I haven't been working on recovery every day since. But um, so anyway, just a, a little background that, you know, you know, you for, for, I don't know, you may have never heard this part, but you, you obviously know my parents, you know, yes. they were your grandparents. And so <laughs> so where I was born is Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm going to try to kind of go through it a little bit quicker than normal, but give you some background. And so we lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. And the, the reason I bring that up is, is North Louisiana and South Louisiana is like two different worlds, you know, or especially back then it was like Bible Belt versus, you know, let the good times roll, you know, uh, so true. Yes. South Louisiana. So, so my parents, our background was North Louisiana, you know, like, and my mom worked in a church, your grandmother, you know, like you, you knew that. And mm-hmm. um, she did that even, um, you know, probably when you, you were aware of that, maybe when you were, she may not have. She did. Yeah. Before. She was the yeah. prince or the. So what I'm saying is my mom at that time, my mom was a teetotaler, you know, yeah. so I really resented that, but I didn't really know it. So if, when I, we were in fourth grade, we moved to South Louisiana and I was like, um, it was a totally different culture. And some of my new friends that I met, their parents would allow you to drink with them, you know? And it's yeah. like, and they had kegs of beer at their birthday parties and stuff. And, and my parents were horrified by all that. I mean, I'm just saying my mom was a teetotaler at that time. And my dad, I think he had, you know, maybe drank when we were younger, but he had stopped because my mom was like, you know, you need to set a good example for your kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we didn't, you know, we, I didn't had, I was kind of resentful that my parents weren't like in my judgment. Again, this is my judgment. It's not meaning it's true. My judgment was that everybody else's parents were having fun and, you know, and we didn't do that in my house. And so, man, I, at first opportunity, you know, I, I did, but, you know, so I didn't really like the taste of alcohol, you know, the first couple of times. And so I, I, I didn't have a very positive impression of it, you know, but, but when I was a freshman in high school, you know, my, your grandmother, my mom had always said, you know, never drink alcohol or ride in fast cars, you know, like, and that was, the things, you know, she would always, she tried her best. God bless her. She tried her best. And I would like, okay, mom, I won't, you know, I was just, yeah. and uh, first opportunity, the neighborhood little bad guys in their souped up car pulled up and said, Hey, you want to go for a ride? And I'm like, I didn't stop and say, no, my mother said never to do that. You know, and I was like, yeah. And I jumped right. in the, I wanted to be belong, you know, and uh, I got in their car and they peeled out, you know, and we were driving real fast and or they were driving real fast. I was in the backseat and they handed me a bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill wine. Ew. And um, <laughs> I don't even know if they still make that. But, man, I was. They so here's the here's the, the the bad guys, the big guys that I wanted to be like. They, they handed me a bottle. And so I'm thinking in my mind, this is going to taste terrible. This is going to be horrible. And I opened it and I took a sip and I was just like, oh, this is good. You know, I said, it tastes good. <laughs> And I basically drank the whole bottle, got so drunk. I went home, threw up and, you know, my mother is just going, oh, my God. And she's trying to get wake up my dad. And it's just a, just chaos, chaos in the family, you know, that I'm creating my first time ever to drink. And I wanted to just, you know, all I could think of is uh, when can I do it again? You know, I'm getting, mm-hmm. I'm getting in trouble. My mom's going, what's going to happen to my son? You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, long story short, in high school is. I could have gotten if I went hung with those guys. Some 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 of the guys I grew up with got in trouble early. Went to 
like the juvenile detention. And, and I was very you know susceptible to that. There was a coach in this high school that took interest in me and um, really saved me from myself in that you know, he got me really involved in sports and that kept me out of trouble. And, you know, and, and when I, the only reason I bring up the sports thing is a lot of people learn a lot of good and, and you were big in sports and you yeah. learned a lot of good uh, lifelong lessons from that. And, you know, there are those lessons to be learned and it wasn't anything my coaches taught me, but what I picked up, you know, when, mm-hmm. and this is in recovery, looking back at my life, there were there were character defects or traits in my that I exhibited early on that you normally associate with an alcoholic, you know, and like one was what? that I just figured the rules weren't for me, really. Oh, right. <laughs> and I was special, you know, and and to a point where I, I just didn't. I, I, yeah, the rules are for other people, you know, and uh, that kind of thing. And 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 there were. That's not what anybody tried to, you know, I've looked at it looking back and I really don't think anybody ever told me that. I think that's just what I picked up. You know, I don't think I can point a finger at anybody else. That's just the kind of things that that um, I noticed about myself when I look back. And another thing was like I always would go and I I really my values were distorted. Like in Lafayette, you know, in high school, we could go to a. It was like a, a, a drive in like the Sonic, but it wasn't that it was a family owned business. And, and we could go in the in the kids that worked there. You know, it was their families that owned it. And, you know, they were our friends and they would serve us beer. So we could yeah. drink like that every you know weekend at high school. And I just remember seeing like some of the older guys and they would be flashing money. You know, so I was going, that's what I want to be. You know, I mean, I just wanted to be like that. And um so that was my values growing up. And, and, and I ended up doing, you know, and I, I completely give the credit to this coach that was just could just bring it out in me. He somehow he somehow tapped into that defiant type personality I had and channeled it in the right way. And I think there's a big message, you know, of recovery in there for me in that there's a there's a strong will person and it's, it's getting that will channel in the right direction. That that seems to be the, the best idea, because. Because before recovery, my mind just kind of drifted off. My, and um, but he he was very in, uh, in, inspirational and, and big at, at at any success I had, and and ended up getting a scholarship. You know, um, uh, at, um, at when I graduated from high school. But you know, during high school, after that weekend, if you know, almost every weekend I was. Um, going to that drive-in that we're talking about and drinking, you know, I'll look forward to it. Looking back on it, that's a big sign of alcoholism, that, that obsession that I thought everybody had. That's my perception. I thought everybody was looking forward to the drink like I did, you know, but I, but that's really not true. Not everybody does. And, and one of the things that surprised me when I grew up, uh, when I sobered up was that one of my best friends growing up, you know, like he was with me every step of the way, but he didn't have that obsession, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's that was hard to accept that that I was actually different, you know, and that I did look forward to it. You know, that's that's a big part of it. It's it's the two the, the two part deal of where you have that obsession of the mind that the non-alcoholic doesn't have. And then and then you have the, the what they what's called the allergy, which is even harder to understand. But basically what it means is once you start, it becomes almost impossible to stop. stop. I mean, you really mm-hmm. there's something biologically different, you know, and I didn't see either one of those. I, I never had the perception that I was any different than anybody else 
But so I, I was a weekend drinker in high school, you know, got a scholarship to play football at LSU. And that was like a lifetime dream for me. And um, another thing I've noticed about myself is I'm a really good starter. You know, this is this is personality defects that I've had to deal with in recovery and in that um, I'm a self-sabotager, you know, like so I had a, mm. I'd achieved this deal and, and, and a certain amount of success and and had well, we should my, pause that's a huge deal in louisiana like that's the biggest deal to go to play football at lsu and you got a scholarship to be a quarterback that was that's i'm sure it was like i was on top God. of the world at 18 years old i was right in my mind, i was pretty much of a legend at 18 you know yeah, I mean, I bet. I, and you know i mean it is, it's tough my ego and there's the big you know the big mm-hmm. key, key word with alcoholics is that inflated ego and that you know that little success i had just really um, inflated my ego. I mean, I love, I could hear people talking about me, you know, and I just pretended like I didn't hear. And that was so, <laughs> yeah. oh, it was all, you know, it was all an ego thing and and I ate up every bit of it, but, but I really didn't um, have any clue of the challenge that I just, just gotten involved in and just got myself into. So again, it's, it looking back, I can see this self-sabotage thing starting. So when I got there, I mean, they had rules and I was in college. And I was like, you can't have rules. And they, they wanted me to have a curfew and I had to break the rules. I had to sneak out after curfew, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. And, and and my drinking really took off, you know, because my mom was not there, you know. Right. <laughs> Your grandmother could no longer, you know, she did her best. I'm just giving her credit. You know, she did her best. But it I just couldn't seem to, you know, to uh, dance to that tune. So anyway, my drinking took off and also um, picked up, I started smoking weed, you know, too. And that became a big part of my story. Actually, it just, it just helped me get to the bottom earlier in my opinion, you know, yeah. and looking back on it for me, it's alcohol. See, I knew I was doing something. I could tell this is the difference for me. And, and I qualify for either, uh, group, either an alcoholic or a drug addict or both. Um, I, I, I believe I'm both, but my primary, uh, recovery has to be with alcohol for me because it's so much more subtle than drugs. Dr- I knew I was doing something wrong with drugs. I knew mm-hmm. I was doing something wrong with drugs. But um, oh, and what I missed uh, telling you was that when I was 18, right before I left to go to school, I had a spiritual awakening in a church in in Lafayette, Louisiana, and it was the, looking back on it, it was the real thing. It was really a spiritual awakening. I didn't drink. For like, I stopped drinking completely for like two weeks. I mean, I was about to say two years. <laughs> no, that was huge. I mean, but no, I'm just I'm giving you my story, you know, because that's yeah. part of it, you know. Like, and and so I I, I was impressed with myself, you know. I, uh-huh. I mean, I didn't drink at my senior prom, you know. I mean, yeah. how weird was that, you know, in Lafayette? But right. And so anyway, so so that was, but it, but it, looking back, I don't think it was. I was any different from anybody else. What I did was pick up the first drink. That was what I can see in my life now, which I never, ever dreamed that was an issue at all back then. You know, I always thought I could social drink. That was my big deal. You know, I knew at times I needed to stop the drugs. That's not, you know, that's not a good thing. But uh, and I think it helped play a direct part in things not going well for me. You know, I mean, when you in school, I mean, going to going to class and, and smoking weed before, that's really not a good way to make, you know, I mean, my <laughs> grades were just really, 
really on the tank until I met your mom. That's the story right. that we're going to pick up here lately. Um, thank God for her. My parents were very impressed with uh, how my grades picked up when I started uh, dating her. But anyway, so I went to LSU. Long story short, I didn't do my best. I mean, and and that doesn't mean anything would have been different, but I wasn't getting the playing time and people were passing me up and I got mad at them. I didn't see my part in any of that. And, you know, I just was going to get back at them. So I quit, you know, and I would yeah. t- I was going to go somewhere else. So I went somewhere else and they just loved me because I was somebody from LSU, you know, and and my roommate came too, and he was from LSU. And, you know, we were like just the fair haired boys and, and he did fine. But, you know, by the time, long story short, by the time that I left that school three years later, I was like, you know, he's got a bad attitude. Don't hang around with him. You know, so mm-hmm. we can see some clear when you, when you look for alcoholic, you know, personalities or defects in my development of character, um, which my, which ironically, my mother used to always talk about, you know, she'd always say, that's good for character building. I'm like, I don't want any character, you know. You used and to say like, that to me yeah. too. And you, I was like, yeah, oh, to I that. don't want to drive a <laughs> shitty car to build more character, dad. <laughs> I know. And I was going like, I'm just telling you that because my mother told me that. I don't want any either, you know. <laughs> If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. But anyway, I hate it, but it's, 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 it is it's true. required to grow spiritually, you know? So anyway, yeah. so I try to go with it, but anyway, that the best thing about that whole deal was I not only stopped drinking, but I met your mom and that was so, so about a four year period at the end of that, 
And you were born during that period. When you were born, I wasn't drinking, you know, for, for yeah. four years. I had no clue I'd stop drinking because, I, you know, that I was an alcoholic or alcoholism had anything to do with it. You know, I had no clue at that time that um, that was an issue because uh, I stopped drinking, you know, and, and and I really deep inside wanted to be like my mom wanted me to be. You know, I mean, I really mm-hmm. wanted to be a decent Christian dad or whatever. And we were we ended up being like that. I mean, Kelly, when you were young and little, like there was people that would say to your mom, you all have like the perfect little family, you know, and 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 that it was until I was out of town on a business trip. Um, after four years of not drinking, I had the perfect little life, you know, I had a good job and, 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 and you and your mom. And it's like, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what set it off, but I, I bought some beer and took it back to my hotel room. I was by myself drinking by myself and got totally drunk and didn't think anything of it, especially what didn't hit me is you're by yourself, you right. know, you're drinking by yourself. That didn't even that went right over my head. Didn't think of it that at all. You know, I'm just giving you the progression of what's going yeah. on here. So not drinking for four years. I mean, I, um, I just didn't think how can anybody have a problem? That exactly. Drink and yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, and so I, I don't remember how long it took me, but, but for me, drinking or drugs, one always leads me back to the other. You know, that's what I didn't see until I was in recovery is that, hold on, Kim, it, you're not just, you don't need to just get rid of the drugs. You know, I, I never did for me, actually, alcohol was the most subtle of the two because I really just wanted to be a social drinker. You know, I really just wanted to fit in, you know, and actually when I was just drinking, I did fit in and I felt very good about myself. I mean, I was hanging around, you know, church people doing that. I mean, I felt okay, you know, but, but I never could stay like that. That, that was my, my big deal. And, and so um, it just, it was really, you know, the irony is, so I left college. I was really kind of, you know, uh, mad at the world, basically disappointed, you know, very, very um, uh, underachieving career, you know, in college. But uh, so, so and rather than stop and say, okay, let me see what's going on with me. You know, can I, can I correct anything? Can I, I, I just threw myself into work. I mean, at the time I started working, uh, I fell into a job that was very, very busy, you know, and so I just worked all the time, you know, and I kind of could work as much as I wanted. So I just worked all the time and that started going well. And then um, started working for a guy. This was really interesting um, that after I'd started drinking, I did not see how, you know, I just would start with people after work and stuff going to drinks. And in my judgment, there was nothing wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I don't even know if at that point your mom thought that anything was wrong. But but when it started out, it, it seemed like we were just like everybody else and we had the perfect little family. But um, but but I can't hang with that, you know, and, and so I'm I'm sure I started, you know, uh, somehow drink, smoking weed again or, or whatever and, and kind of mixing it. And, and that just, you know, and, and for y'all's part, the reason I wanted to kind of hear from you is. Um, what your mom would tell me is y'all never knew what to expect, you know, when, mm-hmm. when I would come home, is he just drinking or is he doing, you know, is he drinking and smoking weed or, or is he not going to be doing anything either? You know, so there's, there's these options that you just didn't know. So you know, the chaos of, 
of living with somebody that you never know how they're going to show up. And, and, and you were always like my biggest cheerleader regardless, you know, I mean, from the beginning I'd come in and it's like, if, I just laugh at this. This was, I mean, the classic, you'd run up to me and you climb up me like I was some tree or some Europe and, and you'd grab onto me. And one time you grab my thing and you're like, mom, daddy's drinking beard again. Oh God. <laughs> And I was I like, said beard, beard. Yeah. You said daddy's and you would point to daddy's drinking his beard again. You know, I was like, Cause oh, I could smell I it. I don't know, but you knew it. See, you knew, you know, I mean, that's I what I'm saying. I guess you could sense it, but um, anyway, that, so that didn't work out. So, so the bottom line is my work, I was working for a guy. This is what's so ironic about it. I was working for a guy that had this huge contract, you know, with a, huge oil company, uh, fourth largest in the world at the time. And he was like, uh, just making tons of money, but he had, he had gotten to where he, he would show up at the office and leave by nine and, and go drink every day. And we, we would, you know, we would make fun of him. You know, he had built up this big thing and he was about to lose it. He ended up losing it to me. They ended up, you know, kind of giving me the deal. So I was 30 something years old and I had this business and I was thriving and I had people working for me that were older than me. And in my judgment, I was like this you know, boy wonder, you know, yeah. I mean, I was like, that's what I viewed myself as. Um, I don't think anybody working with me did, you know, but, but I viewed that, you know, and it's that exaggerated sense of, you know, self and ego and, and that kind of deal. Um, obviously I was doing pretty good, you know? Um, so in my eyes, it wasn't affecting my job. Mm-hmm. I looking back at, I, I could have done better without it, you know, but, but, but I, the reason that was where my values were, that was what was important. It was definitely affecting the time. I would use that as an excuse to stay away from home, you know, mm-hmm. give them what they need, but don't show up. That was one of my big deals, you know, and um, that was, um, I, so I couldn't see it, but it was definitely affecting my relationship with y'all, especially your mom, you know, and, and it, it was a school, it was a one of the, it was, I can't remember the name of it, maybe children's community school that you children's went to. It's no longer, yeah, that you were going to, that mom taught at. And, and yet there was a drug and alcohol uh, counselor that came to speak and showed a film or something. I think showed a film. And um, your teacher was a was a, um, a spouse of a recovering alcoholic, you know, and so she was in recovery and um, she, uh, was like your teacher, you know, and mom, she just started crying during that. Cause I was coming home every, I, I was a daily drinker, you know, I mean, yeah. I was definitely going to be drinking every day, but I, when I was a businessman, you know, it was my job to take, I just knew my, you know, whole success depended on me being able to take people out drinking and partying, you know, and that was my job, you know? So I was, um, that I just knew it was necessary, you know, and that I needed to do it. And that was just work, you know, and yeah, um, to me, but anyway, it was definitely affecting your mom, you know, and, and she started, you know, going to a counselor and trying to get me to go. And, oh man, it just was, you know, it, that's when trouble started. <laughs> you know, my story is when my wife got a recovery, it ruined my life. I mean, so really that, <laughs> that was the way I viewed it, honestly. And that just got more and more tension. We ended up going to marital counseling. This is funny. You know, it was marital counseling. He's so doing so, air quotes when he says yeah. funny. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, uh, th- that it was marital counseling. So about 
after a month into it, you know, like Ron and I, Ron, your mom came with me the first time. And then he was just, he just wanted me to come back. So I would talk to him. I just I love talking about myself. I was just talking, 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 you know, and, and, and at some point it was weeks into it. I said, she doesn't have to come. He goes, well, no, 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 no. Let, let's just talk about you. Oh my God. I didn't know, man. They all knew, you know? And then, yeah. so anyway, I guess it's a miracle that I talked to him. And um, so that kept going on and, and I would always get mad. I go like talking to the counselor. I say, well, she thinks, you know, she's going to this stuff. Thinking yeah. I'm not calling, telling everybody. And that's what I would, I would, I would say like, she was telling everybody. I mean, I was really blowing my anonymity, but you know, I'm, I was worried about her telling everybody, but um Falling off bar stools will blow your anonymity, you know, pretty, right. pretty much. And I didn't really need to blame you. I was blaming your mom. I was like, your mom, you know, you're telling her. I got so mad at her. And um, so anyway, at one point he goes, the counselor goes, uh, well, I said, she thinks I'm an alcoholic. What do you think? And he wouldn't, he would not, you know, he would not diagnose me as an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk. He just said, let's just, let's just keep talking. She goes, Goes, let me ask, let me make a suggestion. She said, while we're doing this, you know, why don't you just stop drinking while we're doing this? And I was like, what? You know, he goes, why don't you just stop drinking? I'm going like, I was going, stop drinking. I said, for how long? I didn't realize I just flunked the test right there. I mean, here's, I'm having marital trouble. Actually, your mom and I were legally separated. You know, we yeah. ended up there. We ended up y'all living in Baton Rouge and me and Lafayette. You know I mean? It ended up being severely affecting my family life. And I'm like, how long? You know, that was what was important to me. You know, how long? Yeah. And and looking back, Kelly, it broke my heart the first time in recovery. And it was early on at some point when I could look back and see things clearly that I realized that alcohol was the most important thing to me. You know, I mean, if that I, I never if you would have told me that I wouldn't have believed it. I, I it broke my own heart when I realized that I, I just thought that nobody could be forgiven for that. You know, like, how could you be that selfish? But that's the truth. You know, I mean, I had to start there. I had to realize that I had basically ruined my family life because I valued alcohol more, you know, and that was hard to see. I didn't that was clueless about that until I stopped drinking long enough to look back and see that, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing, you know? So, so I flunked that test when I was talking to that guy, you know, that was big red flag. He wants to know he's losing his family and he wants to know how long, you know, I mean, most non-alcoholics would say, okay. That's yeah. What, what do I does. need to do? Like, I'll do whatever it takes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, if you're not, if you're not an alcoholic, so what? Yeah. Right. Okay. You know, I've had like your mom, when I, when I sold up, she's like, Oh, I'll stop too. No big deal. You know, yeah. it's just not that big of a deal to her. That's, that's right. what I didn't understand is that it, I'm bodily mentally different, you know, than a non-alcoholic, you know, that that's that it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility. You know, it's like, that is, um, that is the facts. And, but I didn't know that first. So anyway, I'm, I'm still going to this guy. It gets to be around Thanksgiving, of 1990, several things started happening, but one was y'all were living in Baton Rouge. If you remember, can you remember any of that? Mm-hmm. I remember okay. all that. And so I would, but I would, so I would come over all the time, you know, and, um, and it's like your mom was going to therapy and or recovery group, you know, for, for family members of al- alcoholics. And, you know, so she was getting all this new, you know, this good information about the disease and, and how it was going. And, um, I went to see, you know, 
my work life made me believe I wasn't an alcoholic. My exercise, you know, and I was, mm-hmm. all, I've always worked out and stayed in shape and I would run in road races, you know? And, yeah. and, and so, so I'm, I'm kind of getting to the end. Several things happened at, at the same time, but, but there was a road race. I think it was in New Orleans. I went to run in it and I had stopped by the way, for two weeks, you know, a little over two weeks thinking I'm the only person in America not drinking. Why am I doing this? You know, that's what it felt like to me. And um, I went to that race and I was going, Oh, problem. You know, I just quit for two weeks. And after the race at the finish line, somebody handed me a beer. They have kegs of beer at the finish mm-hmm. line. It's like nine in the morning. Well, I, you know, proceeded to drink the way I normally drink. And I got really drunk and, and I drove to Baton Rouge on the way you know, back and stopped at y'all's house. And um, your mom was just like, she, that was it. You know, she had been talking in, in this council, looking back on it. I mean, she can tell you this story much better than I, but in her, in her recovery, she had been told that at some point, you know, she's probably going to have to pick her and y'all over me, you know, and it's, and, and that was, whew, that was the lowest point. I can't even tell you. It was right before Thanksgiving because she, what she said was, you know, I showed up drunk and I'm just thinking everybody's going to be happy to see me. And she's just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. She, this is what really stunned me. She just goes, cause we had a lot of heated arguments about me being an alcoholic, whether, mm-hmm. whether I was or not. And, you know, I never, I always fought back. I always told her how many reasons, why I gave her all the reasons why I wasn't an alcoholic, you know, look how important I am, you know, in my mind, that's what I thought. And, um, I just have pressure on me. That's I, I just have a lot of pressure, you know? So, um, that's why I drink, you know, like I do. And, but I showed up and at the wrong time, you know, and I'd been drinking, she's just like, um, she goes, you don't have to stop. I just can't be around you anymore. <laughs> and then the, I went, what? And then she goes, okay, let's go, uh, Christmas shopping for the kids. It was like Thanksgiving or something. And we went shopping together. And we saw these friends. Where I was going like, I'm sitting there going, man, she just dumped me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going, this is my life. I said, what? I, what was so weird, Kelly, is that she wasn't fighting me anymore. She really didn't want a response. If you follow what I'm saying, she did oh, not. Do. She was not waiting for me to say, oh, OK, or, or you know, let's fight. She just said, do what you want to do. That stunned me when she wasn't going to fight with me anymore. And it really is only a point. You know, looking back on like the alcoholic has to hit bottom. So do the people around him. You know, like that's that's what I or her, you know, I've noticed um, is that your mom just had to get where she needed to get. And the main reason I don't know if you ever know the story is because she the a therapist had told her, if you stay around him, you're going to set your daughter up for a lifetime of pain. You know, and that was true. And it's like, man, that's hurt so bad when I heard that. But it was true. And I used to get so mad at your mom and I hated her for doing that, but I loved her the most after I sobered up. I mean, cause I knew it, that takes so much to do that, but she really just got to a point in my judgment to where the best thing you can do is take care of yourself around a person. If you have a family or a love, loved one who's, who's drinking like that, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself. Because if, if I could fight somebody, I did, you know I mean? That's, that's what was normal for me. That's, that was, um, what, uh, it, it, it always kept me from looking at myself, but she didn't care, you know, here, go right. do whatever. So I had to look at myself, you know? And 
So that was just like this, oh, it was this whole, it was really just deflating. And I, of course, drove back to Lafayette, got really drunk. This was the night before Thanksgiving. Woke up Thanksgiving morning. They didn't have Starbucks that back then, I don't think, or they had the one in Seattle, but not not all over, you know, the place like they do now. And there was a kettle restaurant. I was going to your grandparents' house for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I needed to kind of sober up to get presentable because I really had a hangover. And I walked into the kettle restaurant and nobody is at the ke- at any restaurant on Thanksgiving morning. Everybody's with their family, you know, mm-hmm. and I walk in and I'm this guy. I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I always wear a tie. I was like, you know, Mr. Businessman and stuff. And I, I walk in and it's just me. And there's these three guys sitting up at the bar. I'm in a booth. And they're drinking coffee. And, and I noticed one of them's hands start shaking. They were like these, what I call low bottom alcoholics. They were street guys, you know, and I recognized one of them. You know, the guy sitting in the middle, I recognized him. I had grown up with his kids. He had two little kids, you know, and we had two kids. I was in between them in school. So, you know, they were, both had blonde hair. And it's like, I had grown up with them. I knew what it was like when your dad showed up at a baseball game or, or, a, or an auditorium, you know, something, some program at school drunk. Mm-hmm. I could see it in their eyes. I had, you know, I had grown up with them, you know, and their mom had to be the breadwinner of the family, that kind of thing. You know, and it's like, I, and this guy, he did what I used to do for a living. I mean, it was like, you know, the Christmas Carol, that movie, it's yeah. like your mom used to always say the guy that I worked for that I inherited his business you know, like she'd always say, you're just like him. And I get so mad because I was young and strong. I was 33 years old. You know, it's like and um, and so that I saw that guy and it just hit me. I said, the only difference in me and him is 25 years, you know, because because I had two little ones, you know, and it's like I could see y'all, you know, it's like I go, oh, my God, that's what I'm going to do to my children. I couldn't see that at all before that day. So that to me, and I got friends to this day that call me up around Thanksgiving and say, and they say, remember the kettle? <laughs> it's very important that I remember. It's still there, by the way. You know, it, it, I don't know if it's still open. We passed by it just last time we went to Lafayette. But anyway, so, so that was really, I don't know, it was one of those, I call it God things, you know, that for some reason, my eyes, I could see that. I could see my future. You know, and I've got 31 years today and, and I know what I would be like, you know, if that if that turning point hadn't have come, you know. And so the miracle is I went. It was a Monday after that. I went to see that counselor again. And what happened was, no, I'm sorry. It was Wednesday that I saw him. But I started on Monday. I said, I'm just going to stop drinking again. You know, quit for two yeah. weeks. Have just a weekend of drinking. Uh you know, and in my judgment is actually more than a little weekend, but it's like I, I was going to stop again that Monday. And when five o'clock came, it's like somebody turned the light on. It's like, oh, man, I could I really could use beer or something. And but I didn't I didn't drink for two days. And I went back to him on the next day, Wednesday. And I'm, I'm talking, I'm sitting in his office and he goes, well, how are you doing? This is a great guy. Save my life, really. You know, just a wonderful guy. And I was sitting across from him and he goes, he goes, well, how are you? You know, how you doing? How's it going? And I said, uh, well, this is weird. You know, I said, you remember when you told me to stop? I stopped. You know, I, I didn't do it. I didn't drink. I was, I was running for, I was training for a race anyway, you know, and I didn't drink, you know, for two weeks. I said, but, but Monday when I tried to do that, stop again, 
it really, um, I said, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday, it was really hard again. And he, and he looked at me, he goes, well, a lot of alcoholics can stop drinking for like six months. <laughs> when he said those words, I have been fighting so hard to prove that I was not an alcoholic. He said, but not many alcoholics can stay sober without a recovery program. Why don't you go? And I'm like, he was including me in that statement, you know, and it it just, I can't tell you, I was so shocked that he was, but I also felt like a guy who had been holding on to the side of a cliff fighting to hold on. And I couldn't anymore. I just fell off backwards and I was free falling, you know? Um, And I said, you know, he goes, you know, why don't you, why don't you do that? You know? And, and, and the miracle is I, um, after I left his office, I went and called my buddy. I went, you know, where LaFonda's restaurant is. I met one of my best drinking buddies. My and I favorite said, Mexican restaurant. I, I don't know if you remember Mr. P- Peter, my yes, buddy. I do. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so I was sitting across him and I still laugh about this, but I, so I said, I'm going in, I'm yeah, I'm doing it. And uh, he's sitting across from me. I'm just pouring him down and it's not even affecting me anymore. It's, you it's were like, drinking beers when you said that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was it. I was going into treatment. I was going, I didn't actually go to treatment, but I went to get help. I was going to get help, you know, and I had made a decision. I'm going to do it no matter what. And so get drunk. That's what, isn't that what you do? (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard this part. It was a good, oh, I I thought that was normal. You know, it's like, so I was like, like, one more round. I called my buddy and we sat there. I said, Pete, this is it. And he looked at me. I said, this is it. I'm going in. This is, like November 28th of 1990, you know? And um, he goes, he looked at me, he goes, well, I got a grandmother who's in, you know, who's a recovered alcoholic and um, you don't crave it, do you? He looked at me like that in his mouth. He goes, you don't crave it, do you? And I was like, stop, Pete, don't confuse me. I don't, I'm going, this is it. So let's do it. You know, and and, uh, I was like, you know, the miracle is I woke up the next day and, and drove to Baton Rouge and, and did it. You know, I, I joined the club, you know, and I was like, I asked for help, you know, and it's like, and I joined in with some guys that can help me. Um, and I got so lucky that day. Well, let me give you the mindset. I'm driving there. And before I, I left, I told your mom, I said, I'm going to do it. You know, <laughs> I didn't go get drunk with her. I just told her, I said, I'm going right. to do it. You know, and I was like, give me a chance. You know, I'm going to do it. And I said, I'm doing this. I said, but I don't know why I want to live. You know, I'm 33. Why would you want to live if you can't drink? You know, I'm sitting here. I'm losing my family. You know, I had the best family, the most beautiful little family, you know, the best thing anybody could have. And I'm giving that up for alcohol. All I could think about is I can't ever drink again. You know, that's what I thought. You know, that wouldn't surprise any alcoholic. You know what I mean? That that's just that every time I've ever told that story, they're all, you know, nodding their head. Yeah. And, you know, so uh, that was my mentality or my uh, my view of life when I was driving that long 50 miles, you know, so that nobody would know that I was, you know, getting help for my alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And I found out later that I'm the only one who was surprised I was getting help for alcoholism, you know, but I, I thought it was all a secret, you know, except for the ones your mom was telling, you know, that's I kind of would blame her, but that was all her fault in, in my judgment. But so I went and when I got there, you know, and met these these men and women who were in recovery, I was expecting people living under a bridge and they were like 
very, very, you know, professional, um, nice looking, well-dressed people, you know, confidence. They were like, um, they would just, you know, speak. And when they started talking, I was like, oh my goodness, where have these people been? Yeah. You know, and that all happened. And, and, and looking back on it, Kelly, that was just so lucky because I've had so many friends that go in and, and, and think, oh, I'm not like them. You know, that's the worst thing that you can do as a person teetering. You asked me earlier, and we'll get to that later whenever you want to, about the turning point or the, the mm-hmm. big, you know, change or event that happened to set your soul free. It's all that. It's that huge turning point. That was the most positive consequential decision I've ever made in my life. You know, uh, prior to that, you would have asked me, what's the best thing that ever happened to you? I would have said, I married your mom. I had, you know, we had you and then we had Zachary. And those are the best things that have ever happened to me. But if I don't have sobriety, I'm not going to have any of those things, mm-hmm. you know? So if I wouldn't have sobered up, I, you, I know you wouldn't be in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know your brother wouldn't be, and I definitely know your mom wouldn't have been, you know, it's like, I would have missed it all. You know, it's like, and um, that is, uh, that was a turning point. That was a huge turning point. And all I did was keep, keep moving forward. You know, it's a spiritual program of action. It's a spiritual workout program. And I could identify with that because I'd been working out physically. And that's what, that's kind of what I was telling me. He said, you're in good shape physically, but spiritually, you know, you're bankrupt. You got nothing there, you know? And, um, and I realize it's a lifetime deal, but I only have to deal with it today, you know, because I, yeah. I my first thought was, you know, how am I going to drink at my daughter's wedding? You were eight. You know, that that's the stuff that we <laughs> so you, well, lucky <laughs> for you. We haven't crossed that bridge. <laughs> yeah, I was just going like, yeah, I haven't been tempted in that way yet. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't even be worried. But yeah, exactly. That's what I'm it just, ha- you know, I'm so fortunate that. um that, that turn happened and that I liked them. You know, that, that I look at that. That was all grace. And then the, a lot, the rest of it's all, a whole lot of effort on my part, yeah. you know, and that that's true. And, and there was an old guy I used to know, he used to, he used to introduce himself and he'd say, by the grace of God and a whole lot of effort on my part, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sober. And so I got that, that, you know, quit all, all your, I mean, we know what the problem is now. Here's the solution. You know, and and that takes a lot of effort, but but not half the effort even that drinking took, because to wrap up my drinking story, um, which qualified me for recovery is that in the beginning, alcohol gave me wings to fly and then it took away the sky and it's never going to be good for me again. You know, Mm -hmm. going back once I cross the line, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be like it was when I was a teenager and just thought the world changed and became wonderful when I drank, you know, but, um, that's been my experience. That's what I've heard from others and, and learned. Um, and then in every other area of my life, it's just been so much better because mm-hmm. I said, here's the problem, you know, that again, if you would have asked me for a list of what I didn't want to be alcohol, it would have been number one, you know, I mean, is that it, how it works though? We always, it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like alcoholics. Are you kidding me? You know, it's just who, you know, what, what do you have to live for? That's the, right. I used to look at those. I knew one guy in recovery and I was just like, why, how is he so happy? You know, it's like, how can he be enjoying life? You know, it's like, and now I go, here's the miracle for me, Kel, it, about recovery is I, like I told you, I just wanted to die. Literally. That was my mindset. Why, what's the use of living? 
And, you know, the real reason was I had stopped drinking in the past. I just didn't like being sober. I never liked it. You know, once I started drinking and felt that I, I always wanted to, and I always did go back to it, you know, but I like, you know, there's tools in recovery that can help me like being sober. Yeah. You know? I like it, man. I really do. I prefer to be. And, and I remember this, you know, so many people have helped me so many ways, but I remember this lady you know, in Baton Rouge, you know, just, you know, telling me, I can't imagine. I was thinking I was so deprived, you know, like, oh, everybody's out partying, you know, and I'm a young guy in this meeting with you people, you know, and that kind of thing. And this lady goes, she goes, I can't think of anything more boring than drink, being around people that are drinking. And I'm going like, what? Wait, 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 I'm missing out. You know, that's not, and, and, I, and now it's like, you know, if you want to drink, it's your business. If you want to help stop and, I can help you with that. You know, and that's, yeah. and that, that's another part of my recovery is, is not everybody's like me, you know, and, 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 and part of the base of my recovery is to realize that this is the program I need and it's not for everybody and it's yeah. perfectly okay for other people to drink. And, but if anybody ever wants help stopping, I can do this. I can share my story if they, you know, they want to hear it. And um, if not, uh, know that there is a way to like being sober. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'd prefer it. I've had for my life. I definitely would prefer it almost all the time. You know, there's, uh, there's sometimes I feel a little, you know, left out or whatever, but that doesn't last. I mean, it's not, it would never be worth it for me. This life has just been so good. And as you know, when I, when, after a year, I got to come back and live with y'all, you know, and, and in my view, I was, you know, I used to share that with people. I'd say, well, I'm getting back with my family and, and they would say like, well, your wife is taking you back. There's a difference, you know, and it's like, that's what happened. You know, if your mom let me have a chance and, um, and uh, next August we'll have 42 years, we'll be married 42 years, not in a row. I always clarify that. You know? <laughs> 42 cumulative years of marriage, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, that's kind of my story, Pumpkin. You, uh, if you can get something out of that. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. 
Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Well, you did actually just piece together so much for me. Like I've heard bits and pieces of all of that, I think, but I don't know that I've ever heard it back to back to back. And the interesting thing about when you asked me like what it was like for me, you know, it's like even when I've been in therapy, um, there's parts of my childhood I just like don't remember. And so I don't know if I've like blocked it out or what it is about that, you know, or maybe I was too young. And so kind of hearing some of that, even what you said about um, when I would tell mom that you had a beard or whatever, because you've been drinking beer. But the weird thing is, I mean, it's funny, but it's also like, I have had a trigger to when like I've had boyfriends come home and they've been drinking beer and the smell, it, mm-hmm. it it's like a flashback moment for me mm-hmm. and it always makes me sick in my stomach. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting because that must have had a big impact on me and I didn't know. The things I do remember um, are like, I, I do remember hearing like the click of a beer can is very familiar to me mm-hmm. and I would be in bed but I heard it. And I remember you and mom arguing like about, do you have to drink tonight? And I was Mm -hmm. probably like five, but I remember, Mm -hmm. um, I remember us being at like music festivals a lot. I don't know. Or maybe it was like just festivals in Lafayette, Mm -hmm. but like there's Mm -hmm. always was just alcohol. And that was like, it's weird. Cause as you said, in South Louisiana, that's like a part of life. And, Mm -hmm. um, so there's a part of me growing up that that was like really familiar and I was, I liked it, you know, because it was what I knew. Um, but now like looking back, I can be like, yeah, there, there was a lot of activities that probably revolved around alcohol, you know, or whatever it was. Um, but listening to you and mom's dynamic is the thing that really just stuck out to me the most because it's what I've repeated so many times. I mean, it's just like that therapist nailed it when they said, uh, you know, like that your daughter's going to be affected. I think I still, you know, I still was. And again, it's like, I, when I, when I think about listeners hearing this, like you and I have talked about this enough to where I think we know there's not like, I don't sit here and blame you for the troubles I've had as an adult or in relationships or anything like that. I have to look at it or else I can't change it, but it is my responsibility now. And so I take that and, um, <laughs> but yeah, Definitely, I've repeated it, you know? It makes mm-hmm. me a little emotional. Mm. Yeah, Pumpkin, I was remembering one last thing. I was thinking, you know, you were always my little cheerleader one way or the other. When I sobered up, you were so proud of me. <laughs> and I got to come live with y'all, too. You know, but, like, when I got my six-month chip, you know, like, they gave me a chip to indicate I got six months. And, you know, I, I came and showed it to y'all. And, and it's like... um you ran around the neighborhood, you know, so proud, just telling everybody, my daddy got a six-month chip and he's going for his year. Talk about anonymity. You know, me that, I'm like, oh, God, you know, again, again, I, I, my, my anonymity was broken when I fell off bar stools or, you know, bumped into the, ran in the car into the trash can or whatever, coming home. You know, it's like, ah, uh, nobody did that to me, but that was so cute. You know, just like, I mean... Somehow we got through it. And, and, and the other thing is, uh, so I can validate your growing up. So I stopped drinking. My recovery started when you were eight. Yeah. You actually, and, and your mom and I were talking about this. It's like, um, you know, the alcoholic, when you start drinking, you don't grow emotionally, you know? And so despite me thinking I was so Mr. Important and all that stuff, I was really a child. I was very childish, immature, 
And, um, you know, so I had to grow up with y'all, you know, I had to grow. And, and one thing, like one of the, again, my friends, you know, like they would go like, Hey, don't be afraid to be authentic. And, and they didn't use that word at the time. They were just like, don't be afraid to let your children see you struggle. You know, don't, don't lie to them. Just to let them know I'm struggling and I made a mistake, you know, and, and, and we got a, we got a way to, to do that as part of our program is to, you know, clean up the messes we make now, you know, and, right. and but do that in front of them. Don't hide it. You know, and, and that was huge for me uh, to make mistakes. And, and <laughs> your mom and I were laughing because, you know, it was hard growing up, being a grown man, growing up with you. And you were probably in most cases more. You know, I remember you saying this, you know, that I was more like a friend than or a brother than, a you know, a dad, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's the truth. You know, it's like I had to grow up with you. And I remember one time, you know, you had a you you were you know throwing a little tantrum or whatever, like 13, <laughs> like thirteen year old kids that was do. Pretty you difficult know? at thirteen. It's like yes. you know, yeah, you had quite the strong will, young lady. But, anyway, <laughs> um, but your mom had to discipline, you know. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I just remember saying to your mom, I said, "Look, she does it too," you know. And, she, and your mom looked at me and she goes, "It's age appropriate. She's thirteen. It's right. age appropriate for her to do it." And I was, you know, I was going, "Oh, right." <laughs> I was looking, you know, so, I mean, I I had to grow up with y'all, you know, and um, that is what it is, but that's the truth, you know, and and that's one thing, probably the best medicine, you know, and it talks about that in the recovery literature for alcoholics is, you know, the mess, the capacity to be honest. And I did not know I was living a lot when I came in, you know, but it's been a process. It's not an event. It's a daily deal. You know, it's a daily workout, you know, uh, spiritual program for me, that has to be just as important as my physical one, because, uh, I'm, as you know, you've lived with me, you know, we make mistakes as we go along. We gotta, you know, not brush them under the rug, you know, just be willing to look at it. And some of them are hard to look at. I remember this conversation came up at 22 years that I had been, you know, in my view, a great father for 22 years, you know, and, and you, you were going through some stuff in your recovery and you needed to talk about stuff. So, um, you know, I've had people tell me both ways on that. No, you made amends. You don't have to make, and I was like, no, 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 I never really have made direct amends to Kelly. I tried to be different. You know, I went to, I went to child raising classes at this, at this therapist clinic, you know, I mean, I, I did everything my mentors told me to do, you know, but I had a long way to go. You know, yeah. it's like, um, but anyway, that, you know, I had, I had, and I had to learn a lot of stuff with you, but that was big for me in that I needed to validate what you went through, you know, because I think, um, you know, family members love each other. And so we don't, you know, sometimes, and I didn't want to go back to that, you know, in my judgment, I've been different for 22 years at the time, you know, but I knew it was important anyway. And, and I don't, you know, I guess that's why part of our recovery is to is to talk about what it was like, you know, just to remember and and uh, know that I don't want to go back there and that. Um, but I'm also very capable and on a regular basis make mistakes, you know, as I go along. And I, and there's ways to try to clean those up, you know, yeah, if I can, when they happen, rather than letting them linger and that kind of thing. So it's great tools for living, but it's not like uh, we're the perfect little family. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know? but actually the, the thing, the couple notes that I did make was, um, you know, like when my life did fall apart a decade ago, like when I hit my first, I think real bottom, 
um, you and mom were the first people I called. I, rem- mm-hmm. I will never forget it. It was like I waited until the clock ticked six o'clock because I had been up mm-hmm. all night and I did. I didn't. I didn't know what to do necessarily, but I knew exactly where to go because I had seen you guys do it. And Mm so that though, I look back or I tell my friends that story, even my recovery friends, and they're in in awe all the time of just like, what a gift that is. And I probably took it for granted for a long time, but even, but as I'm getting like older and more into this, I'm realizing it is a true gift that I've been modeled. Like, I think we are what we see. And so, no, I didn't have the perfect childhood or whatever, but nobody does. (laughs) And so the greatest gift that you guys gave me was the gift of owning your mistakes, Mm -hmm. doing the work to make it right and do something different. And to, to always know that like, no matter what happens, there are places to go and people to help and like unconditional love that's out there. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's just like, it's there for you if you want it. And so those are the things that you guys gave me. And, like I said, too, this was a gift just now because I can like I don't look at the stuff in the story that's maybe not like stuff you're proud of or whatever and go like, oh, my dad sucked. I'm like very much like, oh, that makes sense. No wonder I've like like I was your biggest cheerleader. Well, you know, jigs up. That's what I do in relationships, too. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like the biggest mm-hmm. cheerleader for people who don't deserve it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so that's mine. It's like what you said, the people around you have to hit a bottom too. Like that is very true. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, especially when someone you love is, you know, destructive or, or like hurting themselves or hurting you. Like you just want to help if mm-hmm. you're wired the way that I'm wired. And I think mom's wired. It's just like, it's the hardest thing to put down. Like, have to walk away from them and that feels so cruel, you know, but mm-hmm. it's I'm grateful that you've told me that's the most loving thing to do. It's helped me in so many scenarios. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that call. Cause I remember, mm-hmm. you know, as a parent, well, you know, in recovery, I get to be a parent. I'm certain I wouldn't have been available or if I may be dead, you know, cause, cause yeah. your mom has friends whose uh, exes, don't have the same story I have, you know, and it's, and it's, and so anyway, I remember that call coming in and I can't tell you at 6 a.m. in the morning, when you see your daughter's name pop up on your phone, that's not a good feeling. No, you know, I mean, I knew something wasn't good, but I was so glad you called. Yeah. That you could call me. You know, I was like, that's, and I bragged about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. Other people might not think that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. To us, you know, my kind. I didn't want to be my kind at all. But I remember the first time somebody ever said that, well, our kind. I'm like, that's your kind. That's not my kind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not a club you ever are like, you know what I want to say? No, it's not. It's the last (laughs) house on the block. Nobody wants to join it, you know. But yeah. um, but I am our kind. And that's a big deal if your daughter calls you, you know, on that when she needs help, because because you you wouldn't have been able to rely on me if I was still alive. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's a there's a good chance. I mean, you know, mom's got some friends I'm, like their stories are totally different, you know, and that's a sad deal. I mean, I what's weird to me is I've had so many and I've told you some of these through the years and you may or may not remember when we were living in Baton Rouge. 
there's some high profile folks, you know, that are affected by alcoholism. And I never cease to be amazed at the people I run into, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but, but we're all the same, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to go to, you know, to meet with others, alcoholics, downtown Baton Rouge, and you had businessmen and you had people off the streets. And really, for those times together, that one hour spent together, there's no difference. You know, I mean, that's you see people nodding their heads, both from the streets and from the business thing. We got this stuff, you know, this stuff amongst us that's, you know, this thing among us. It's it's you know, it's the common problem, but we have a solution for it. And I'm so grateful because there's been so many people I can honestly say, you know, this coming from somebody who was too important you know, to be an alcoholic, literally, I thought I was too important. You know, um, there's been of the people I've seen die of alcoholism. Most of them are more educated than I am. Most of them are smarter than I am. And most of them have more money than me. You know, all things that used to make a lot of mean a lot to me, you know, it's like, that is, uh, that doesn't matter. You know, this thing, that perfect little family in a lot of cases doesn't exist. You know, it's like, there's, People that talk about your mom always talks about judging your outs, your uh, other people's outsides by your insides, or mm-hmm. I'm not sure the right way to say yeah. that. But that's comparing your that's, insides to someone else. Yeah, else's comparing outside. your insides. Yeah, that's what I do, and you know, that's yeah. I'm just telling you. When that call came, I knew it was not good, but I was so grateful. That's kind of the it's kind of the paradox of this whole deal. I was yeah. so grateful that you would call me. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I I just I did. I I, I told. I had talked to people since that time um, that are new to recovery and stuff. I said, you know, I, and I know when I, I always hone in on when, when I see they have kids, because I said, you know, I wouldn't be a part of my children's life, you know, and now, you know, we talk all the time, you know, and and uh, my daughter called me when she was out of as low a spot as somebody can get to, you know, I said, that's amazing because I'm quite certain if I was alive, you would hate me. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't try distracted Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation compatible device and vehicle required. Well, the other reason I even thought to do this podcast in the first place was um, I had posted a while back. I told you about this on my Instagram and I was giving people what you give me every day, which is um, what to focus on on a hard time, which is the sun came up. And I said, my dad texts me every morning and says the sun came up and it's just like this amazing way to start my day to remember no matter what I'm going through, and I've been going through a hard time. We started this probably, it was like eight months ago, and I was in a pretty dark place. And so you just started texting me every morning. 
And you say that. And it was like something about that consistency from my dad as like a foundation. Um, the listeners are going to be like, they're so emotional. (laughs) (laughs) They're used to it from me, but it's like, that was something I began to rely on. And like, it really did help me in my healing process to remember, you know, kind of the safety in that and what it feels like. And so then I could go about my day and take the next right step and do all the things and also just have the hope, like the sun came up. And that's another gift of your sobriety is that, one, that we have the relationship that we have now, but two, that, you know, you can show up for me in that way emotionally. I think a lot of my friends who even their dads maybe aren't alcoholics, but they're like, I'm just shocked your dad can be so emotionally vulnerable about stuff like that. Like, did you even talk to your dad about that? That's crazy. Um, and it's just so great. It's, it's mm-hmm. truly such a gift. And so that was Another thing that I had thought was like, oh, it's because I'm sitting here telling the story and I'm like, yeah, I grew up in an alcoholic home, but I'm like, yeah, but now my dad texts me every day and says, hey, the sun came up, like smell the roses. What are you going to get out and do today? Or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so it looks a lot different. So with that said, what does life look like now? What life looks like now? You mean like today or in the second half of recovery? I mean, it it. looks great. I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm retired if I want to be. I do some some side work from time to time, but um, I'm retired, which is miraculous. You know, mm-hmm. that that probably wouldn't have been able to happen either. You know, I mean, you know, I, I must have somehow learned to stop self-destructing, you know, and I find that, you know, just to, to make sure I'm um, full disclosure, I find self-sabotaging habits. I've had to deal with that in recovery, you know, like, I mean, after I made this thing, I'm going to get help for this. It, it's not the end, you know, you just ride off into the sunset. It's, no. it's, it's when you become aware of those habits and those those reactions and those involuntary responses to things that, you know, um, they can change your life. Um, sorry about that. I didn't know that was on. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, that um, kind of got thrown off. Can you delete this? Yeah. <laughs> you were just saying like that you it's not like you get in recovery and ride off into the sunset it's right. just like I mean also I had this this um perception maybe of getting help that like life was supposed to get easy then mm-hmm. <laughs> and like life still happens life on life's terms right like mm-hmm. it's like life still happens and the human condition is painful it just is mm-hmm. I have found tools that help me deal with it and relationships you know, even including the one I have with you that helped me get through the hard times that have been gifts because of, of Mm -hmm. the nature of this kind of stuff. Does that put you back on track to what you're talking about? Yes. Well, I mean, I I can just say that nothing that you get from me is original. If it's good, it's not original from me. It comes from somebody (laughs) else. And there's, there's so many people that I owe such a debt of gratitude to. And I've heard that gratitude is an action you know, and I try to pass it on if anybody wants to. And now you invited me to do that. Let's make that clear if somebody's listening, because I was I, I started texting you with encouragement when you had COVID this last time. Oh, yeah. Because it was Christmas and I knew I, myself. I try to yes. try to mind my own business when I'm supposed to also, you know, but it's like. Right. Um, and you got over COVID and you were by yourself in a holiday, just a very down experience for anybody, you know. Yeah. And so that's what I and, and then. And then you asked me after that. I remember I, maybe I stopped something and said, hey, keep doing that. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, 
All I'm saying is when somebody asks you, if somebody wants me to be, uh, you know, I like to pass along, but it's all, I, you know, honestly, I had nothing when I got to the, to recovery. I had absolutely nothing but disease, you know, but, but ways of, and they told me, you know, they said, if you don't know what to do, champ, just do the opposite. <laughs> do the opposite of what comes natural to you, because, you know, that's what got you where you are. You know, you need to you need to learn a different way of life. And it is. And so if it's if, if I ever pass along something that is really meaningful, I'm just trying to be honest and give credit where it's due. It did not come from me. It comes yeah. from so many people who will never be on a podcast or a, a, any kind of you know get any kind of recognition for anything but they have just changed so many lives just by being uh, authentic and being willing to, you know, to pass along what they've learned. And what I, the main thing I've learned is nothing's wasted, you know, and, and nothing in recovery is this perfect game. You know, there's a, there's a particular action I can take when I make mistakes. It assumes you make mistakes, you know, there's steps, there's, 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 there's specific you know, exercises to do when I find myself that I've made a mistake. The first yeah. is to recognize that I've made a mistake because I went through my life not recognizing any mistakes, you know, so blaming um, other people. It's just, yeah. it's just a better way of life. And, and, and I never have to beat myself up. That's, I don't know about you, but me, one of my biggest flaws is that I just think I'm irredeemable. When I first found out that I had hurt my family, you and your mom and, and your brother, so bad and, and put alcohol before y'all. I, I want to just crawl in a hole and die. I thought I was just, my life was over and everything. And they didn't let me, the people that helped me didn't, wouldn't let me stay there. They're like, get off the cross, bud. We need the wood. Let's go. You can, let's clean up what you can. And then let's leave that in the past and learn from it and share it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I had a lady, actually, I've had people share with me stories that about their just One of them, this lady, you know, her son had a birth defect because she was drinking while pregnant, you know, and it's like, and, and she said, every day I wake up and I, I see the damage that I've done. And she said, what I've learned is the best thing I can do about that is to stay sober today, you know, and, and that is the solution, you know, like I don't be beating yourself up and, and just learn. That's, and it's amazing. It's taken me, I don't know whether it's serenity or senility, you know, just turn 65, as you know, but it's like, you're um, so cute now, dad. I made the mistake of commenting on a picture that he and my mom sent this weekend when my dad turned 65. Look how cute you guys are. And you said, oh, we're 65. So now we're cute. Yeah. The cute stage. We've made you're it. You're in the anyway. cute stage. <laughs> anyway, all, all I'm ever asked to do is learn, you know, yeah. that's, that's pretty amazing. And I, again, that maybe that's just age, who knows, but, um, it's there's no need to spend to waste. Wait, I don't have to go to timeout. I don't have to go to punish, you know, go to punish work or go be a, you know, sitting timeout, go to jail, whatever. Thank God, because I'm not drinking. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I can just learn from mistakes. That's it. And, 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 I, and I know I'll have a chance to pass those along. Like so many people have passed along their experience with me. You know, there's nothing better. What the big key for me in recovery, Kelly, from the very beginning is I knew that they knew they weren't looking down on me. They weren't preaching to me, you know, God bless everybody who does, who can afford to do it. I'm just saying for us, I needed somebody who understood, you know, and, and they understood. And, and I, I got that connection immediately. And that has been so fortunate. The rest of it I've had to work for, you know, Mm -hmm. including and promptly admitting your mom, you know, admitting when I'm wrong, your mom, you know, tends to remind me. (laughs) 
Well, along this properly, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I remember learning something in a, in a, in a group. It was like, you know, you may be right. That statement, you know, when your spouse mm-hmm. is saying something. So I think your mom had used it on me about 10 times, but it's like, and I knew she knew, I knew that she didn't think I was right, but she just said that. So I tried it on her one time. She goes, I am right. I going, it doesn't work the same I said, way. dang, she is right. You know, what am I doing? Where's the book? I need to. That trick is just, is when you, to avoid an argument, maybe that's not, yeah. doesn't need to happen. Yeah. You're like, oh, you may be right. Cause everyone's entitled <laughs> to their opinion. But my mom and actually is like, no, I am right. It, you're supposed to use it when they're actually wrong, but I, you know, your mom was right. And I was like, I thought it was my big chance. And, you know. Missed that mark a little bit. <laughs> well, I told you before we talked that the theme for this month on the podcast is set yourself free, which I did not know. This was such a like higher power moment or universe, whatever you want to call it, God. I lost the piece of paper that I wrote all these themes down on. And Chip keeps telling me, like, can you type them up in a spreadsheet? And I'm like, I don't do spreadsheets. That's not really the way my brain works. (laughs) So although maybe now I should, I have this, like, old envelope that I've written everything down on in, like, scribble notes. This about sums me up. But anyway, I found it today. It's been missing for, like, a month. And I found it. And it said, June, set yourself free. And I was like, what are the odds? that I had scheduled this with you during this month of set yourself free, because to me, this whole story is a version of that. So I was going to ask you, do you, how do you feel like that applies to your life? Like, are there, is there a moment or um, a thing that you could say, like you feel has been the moment that you set yourself free? I, you know, I, you, you had given me a heads up on that part of the phone call and, and, you know, I have to go back to the turning point, Kelly, because nothing, none of this would have been happening. But I remember when the when when I was talking, go back to that counselor, you know, saying alcoholics can't, you know, when I when I when it dawned on me and I fell off the cliff backwards, I remember saying something to him like, I feel so stupid. Cause I had been talking to him for nine months, man. I had been paying this guy nine months. He's a wonderful guy. I didn't, looking back on it, his job, once he recognized I'm an alcoholic, was to slowly break down my defenses. Because if he it would have given me a full assault, I would have run, you know. Yeah. But, but he did his yeah. job perfectly. He did it. He he saved my life. But but it, so so I was, when it dawned on me that, you know, I was just going, I said, oh, my gosh, I feel like I've traveled all over the world just to cross the street. All I had to do is cross the street. And once again, he goes, but you're across. And I can remember him leaning forward saying, you're across. Don't beat yourself up. You made it across a street that so many people don't. And they don't. You know, it's like, I mean, it's that was the turning point. And that's what's given me a chance at freedom going forward in every area of my life. You know, it's like that's there's a I've, I've gotten I've, I, I inherited that day at that moment. Um uh, freedom, you know, a new life was given to me, but it had to start with that. I can't tell you how important that is because keep in mind that was, um, November, right after Thanksgiving of 1990, you know, what happens during between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's party time, you know? And I had this huge party every year for my business that I thought everybody in the South wanted to go to and how are they going to get by without me? You know, that kind of thing. And I was like, can I just wait until January? You know, and your mom's like, not with me. <laughs> and I'm so glad that, you know, I mean, she wasn't going back. She had made made the turn and she was 
she, her life, she knew she, you know, she got to the point where she was going to die and she was trying to protect y'all, you know? So it's like, um, thank God she didn't waver because I see that Kelly as just a little window. You know, I've seen so many, like I said, smart, intelligent, successful, good people die of this disease and they didn't make that window. When the window opens up, somebody's got to push you in or you got to push somehow you got to go through. And I, I shudder, you know, and I'm glad my friends call me and say, remember the kettle, you know, because I don't need to forget that. I need to remember that that is my big turning point and that it was not going to get better for me. You know, I had passed the good times that I needed to be in recovery to have a life. And I have had a life. I mean, I've had a great life. So it's enabled me to do so many other things, not the least of which is to have a relationship with you, because that is what goes first. In alcoholism, it destroys relationships first. And that was my experience anyway. And that's what I've heard so many people. That's their same story. You know, it's like the same story. You hear it again. It's like you think we'd get tired of hearing this story, but it, it never makes me tired. You know, it, it makes me because I'm free. and I'm so appreciate the new life I've been given that I was going to miss, man. I was going to miss it. You know, there's no question about it. And I look back all the time and think about what that would have been like, you know, and like you said, life is not always a, a you know, better roses. There's some definite difficulties, you know, um, turning 65. <laughs> there's some that just go through, you get to the cute stage, you know, it's like, that's <laughs> you got your Medicare card. You said, <laughs> I got my Medicare card. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you walked to the other side of the street and that we can have the relationship that we have now. I'm grateful for it every day, every morning. Me too. Um, and I'm glad that you did this podcast with me. See, I knew I just needed to get out of the way. Hey, you know, you didn't ask me why I called you Pumpkin. That's that's one thing you didn't ask me. Why did you? Wait, I don't know. Uh, I don't long don't story know. short, you, I think this has come up before, but I, I don't know if you remember. Like, I was on a summer job that 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 all you know. So it was a summer job that makes you not want to um, leave college and make sure you get a degree. You know, because it's one of those bad jobs. But I was working with a man who. Well, that was going to be his life, you know, for the rest of his life. And you would think he'd have a bad attitude and stuff, but he was just the happiest guy. And his wife used to come pick him up every day. And they were young people. They were, they were not, you know, my age or something. They were like probably your age. And it's like, or younger. And they were yeah. young people. But his wife would pick him up every day and had a little girl, like about four or five years old. And she loved him so much. There, I've never seen a little family that loved each other as much as them. And he used to call her Pumpkin. I never knew that story. I said, when I have a daughter, I'm going to call her pumpkin. And when you were <laughs> born, you were crying and they handed you to me and you stopped crying, you know, and we started calling you pumpkin right then. It's well, just it's your, your mom. 40 years later. Yeah. Your mom was just like, hey, little pumpkin. It's you always know, weird. So sometimes I know I'm in trouble when you guys call me Kelly, actually. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Kelly Nicole. Yeah. Double name is a big, big one. <laughs> Well, Dad, thank you for sharing your story with all my listeners and with me. It did help me to piece some things together for myself as well. That were really helpful. So I needed that oh, today. Man. Hopefully, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Good. I'm glad. Well, thank you guys for listening. And you can always hit me up with any questions at Velvet's Edge on Insta or kelly at velvetsedge.com. And I'll put links to um, some interesting articles. I actually found a Brene Brown article that 
basically said a lot of the stuff you said. You know, she's sober. I didn't realize that. But uh, yeah, it kind of makes a lot of her stuff <laughs> make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kelly, when you see, I mean, I, and I'm just saying like only because I, alcoholics, you know, usually look down on or whatever. It's like some of the I can always kind of tell when somebody starts talking. It's the depth. Anybody yeah. who's been through a lot of pain on either side of alcoholism, you know, it's very painful, but, but it also causes if I guess if I allow to tremendous growth, you know I mean? You, totally. I, I just, you can tell in somebody's voice, the depth, you know, of, yeah. their, of their sharing, you know, if they, if they have been on either side of this deal. So um, again, Oh, my remember I told you my misfortune. So I heard somebody else say my misfortune has become my good fortune. Oh, yeah, and that is so true. I thought my life was over and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. So thank you for having me on pumpkin. <laughs> Well, thanks for being here and thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.